The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Kevil Aregby is on the line and we're going to be talking about his new play, which is called What Do We Do Now, which is a stage play in two acts. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm living, man. I'm living, so I'm good. How you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you. So what was it that inspired you to write this particular play? <laughs> so... The, the news hit when Kanye West and Kyrie Irving was going through their issues with the Jews. People started calling me and asking me what did I think about it. And and based on my conversations with those people, I thought, man, I should write a play and include, you know, some of the history about Jews that people don't know about with black people. And that's interesting because you say it's kind of about African-American culture, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, in what yeah, way yeah. do you mix that with Jews as well? Well, because the Jews and African-Americans have a very, 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 very interesting <laughs> relationship. For example, there's a guy named Monroe Trotter. Uh, he's considered right now what we would call woke. Uh, but back back in his day, when uh, I believe he was alive around the time of, uh, was it Booker T. Washington, I believe? His issue was that he worked with newspapers and things, and he actually committed suicide. Wow. Um, his issue was, did he commit suicide? Yeah, I believe he did. So his issue was he didn't trust white people helping African-Americans. He felt like if African-Americans wanted to save themselves, they would help themselves. So Jews were very willing to help us, and he would not accept the help. So that's just an example. Yeah. So in the play, you've got the characters of Edwana, Kyle, and their children, Kylie and Eddie, how do they represent different aspects of African-American culture? Well, the play is based, it's all, It's almost like a commentary on, on our, our history in America. So if you take the 1940s to the 2020s, I kind of put them all through issues that stand out for African-Americans. So Kylie has to deal with, with issues over women's rights, yeah. over sexuality, over, uh, what is it called, abuse. Uh, Eddie has to deal with issues that a lot of young African-American men go with, uh, issues with identity. Uh, and Juana has her issues and, and Kyle has his issues. So they all kind of get a, a wide range of issues that black people have survived in America. And it's set in 1965 and the family, of course, struggle with poverty and discrimination. So what research did you do to accurately portray the time period? I mean, I guess with the civil rights movement, it's something 
yeah. that you would sort of know about that era anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's it. I mean, honestly, that's a good question because not a lot of people who interview me ask me why about 1965. Yeah. Uh, maybe you and another guy did. Yeah, it's it's right after the Civil Rights Act. I wanted to yeah. put it around a time where I felt like that that Jim Crow ended. I didn't want to be too cliche when I wrote it. So I feel like if I wrote it before uh, Jim Crow laws, that it would be the same old story. And if I and if I wrote it too far after, then it would be too modernized and too like trying to force entertainment. So I said, okay, let me just put it in the heart of the sixties. Let me put it nineteen sixty five, and and that's what I got. And you say entertainment there is the play entertaining because obviously it has this underlying message. But is it entertaining nonetheless? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's drama, it's comedy, it's romance, it's it's all it's everything. Everything is in there. Yeah. How do you manage to balance all that? <laughs> it's art, man. So when you're an artist, you just have a gift. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did you go about researching the characters? themselves did you have to do a bit of research for that i'm already pretty knowledgeable in african-american history yeah but in terms of the characters i spit a lot of them out uh some of them i took from other stories i've written and i just placed them in this book which a lot of authors do like uh the book that i that i never came out with i just took this character and was like ah oh, you know what i'm gonna put her here and life experience and stuff like that it wasn't hard just to spit the characters out yeah so what is the overall plot of what do we do now? What journey do we witness the characters go on? That's exactly what it is. It's a journey. The, yeah. the plot is a journey. It <laughs> kind of shows you the resilience, the humanity, the survival of African-Americans through all of these years. And then and it, and, and it, the overall thing is the question, like, OK, what are you going to do now? Yeah. But, you know, not, you've been through all of this stuff. What do we do now? It's in two acts as well. So how does the story unfold in each act is one act different to another yeah one act is different than other uh the first act is is pretty much it was well, a story arc so hmm. the first act is pretty much how very uh okay the first act is very dramatic <laughs> yeah and then by the intermission you get a little bit more of the comedy and then by the end you get more of the story kind of coming into one like the story just unfolds throughout and then it, it, it comes full circle do you think it's important to have a bit of comedy in it so that it's not just a straight message and so it doesn't just become a complete lecture yeah 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 because it's i call it infotainment so it's inter entertaining but it's information and the comedy just comes natural because i guess writing style like it just comes natural and even watching people rehearse it or read it out loud they all laugh like yeah like, oh, this is so good. and it's, it's kind of good to hear those compliments from your cast because not that i'm unsure of myself but it confirms a lot of the stuff i'm thinking when i'm writing and everybody just busts out laughing every time they read it that's the thing about art uh, in my opinion art if I was to define art it's something that you could go see or listen to more than once more than a hundred times yeah and I, and I feel like that that's what's important about art like it doesn't change your, your your feeling doesn't change it's like oh the first time I heard this the yesterday by the Beatles like I still love the song you know what I'm saying yeah like that's art that's good art to me like you can do it over and over and over again out of the comedy and the social writing which would you say you're the better at i don't have an answer for that uh. <laughs> hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Because I, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't have an answer for that because I don't think that applies to, to story arcs. So I think it's just, I think I, I did a, a a job, a great job breaking the rules of writing in the scripts because I broke a lot of rules in writing. So the, in terms of creativity, I think that's what I'm best at, creativity. It's a very creative story. How do you see the role in theatre and entertainment in general in being able to promote change or help people understand and empathise with different cultures? Yeah, we have to do our jobs, man. I think that um, everybody's piece to the puzzle is important. And if you don't feel your piece in, the puzzle never gets complete. So I feel like everybody that does any type of social awareness, you just have to keep doing your job. Raise awareness because things aren't going to change overnight, but so many things have changed over time. So you just everybody has to play their part. And you say things have changed over time. So do you think that maybe African-Americans who read this stage play or go to see it will relate to those back in 1965 or optimistically have things changed so much that they'll see it as a historical artifact? I think that some people will have that perspective of, especially if they are aware of the history, will say, will be shocked, will be amazed. They will be like, wow, a lot has not changed. And then I think some people will be more informed to where, wow, this is how they would have dealt with that back then. And this is where we've improved and this is where we've gotten worse. But there are certain messages in there that you can't help everybody. You know, I can't, yeah. I can't, everybody doesn't have the same perspective or there's no conclusion that er, that applies to everybody. So some people are going to leave there with a, with a conclusion and some people are not. Yeah. Because it just doesn't apply to them. So do you hope that this play will contribute to conversations about race and identity? 
identity and social issues in general? Yes, but I would add, I hope it contributes to art. It's still art. Yeah. It's still a, liter- a literary work of art. So I hope it con- contributes to the to the art world in terms of uh, um, of how well written it is and uh, how good the story is because the social issues are always important, you yeah. know, but the art has to reflect the, the time. And at a time like this in the, in, in early 2020, 20s, <laughs> we still we are still having to go back. And I think that's important to go point out, hey, back in the day, this happened. Hey, back in the day, that happened. And I think that's important. I think that's the artifact. So did you start out knowing that this was going to have some social elements in it? Or did you start out going, I want to make an art project and that stuff came about later? I think the social came first and then the creativity came when I hit these roadblocks of, oh, I can't do that because this doesn't make sense yeah but with art it doesn't have to certain things don't have to make sense you can create your own world you can yeah. super mario doesn't make sense you know you can create super mario world you know what i mean yeah. so what kind of roadblocks did you face and were there any major challenges along the way in writing it no challenges i, I don't I'm, i don't there's no challenges i i stand right in the face of any any obstacle i, I approach like it's nothing I, i'm i'm a there's nothing nothing can challenge me I, um people are in a way but i i'm I find a way to move through them and around them. I've had issues with different theaters, different people saying they will help, but I have ability to to block out BS. So there's no challenges. When I hit a roadblock, I either go over it, around it, or through it. What would you say to those who maybe would find this kind of play woke and virtue signaling and all these words that I don't really know what they mean, but people will say them? Well, I think that, again, that's why I didn't do it before 1965. That's a big reason why. Because I think it would have been too cliche. It would have been, oh, just another book about civil rights or just yeah. another play about black problems. But it's not like that. When you actually read it, it's so, the humanity is so beautiful. Like, it's it's so gorgeous. It's so informing. Uh, for whether you're black or non-black, you will learn so much. And what advice would you give to somebody, actually, who wants to write about this kind of social change, but is perhaps worried about that kind of backlash or maybe worried that they wouldn't be I good at writing? Write it. Yeah. Right it. Like I said about challenges, I don't I don't care about stuff like that. So yeah. that's a, sound like an excuse to me. If you if you're worried about that, then it's just an excuse. Just write. And what if they're worried about maybe writing the wrong thing? They try to make something that's anti-racist and then they accidentally put some stereotypes in there. That could be a concern for somebody. We have a very sensitive time period right now, so that's gonna happen regardless. Whether you write it or don't write it, people are gonna hate on you. People are gonna have something negative to say. So it doesn't matter. So What's coming up for you after this play? Have you got any more things planned? I got I got a lot of stuff planned, but I just thought about something you said about the what if they say this. Quentin Tarantino did Django. The, they say the N-word about a million times in there. Um and then people were calling him racist. Yeah. And and that's stupid. Like Quentin Tarantino was pretty much raised by he called he had his second mom is a black woman. And a lot of people don't know that about him. Yeah. And you can see the black influence in all of his films. You know what I mean? But if your perspective looks at it like, oh, this is racist, then you're gonna see it as racist. So yeah, it's, I don't, I don't care what people think, bro. Uh, yeah. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure most people are gonna love it because yeah. it's gonna be a very 
loud minority, or hopefully yeah, not yeah, loud, yeah, yeah, but it yeah, will be a minority yeah. nonetheless that would yeah. have a problem with it. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. But yeah, all, only thing I have planned after the play is uh, I, I just keep working, keep creating uh, whatever's next. I want to keep doing the play, actually, and see if I can get more showtimes and stuff. Sounds good. Well, in the meantime, this play is available for us to read on Amazon. Is it being performed anywhere at the moment? Yeah, April 10th, um, uh, Easter Monday, 7 p.m. Houston, Texas at Match Houston. Tickets are on artbykevo.com or you can get with me on Instagram at kevoarts. K-E-V as in victory, O-A-R-T-S. Excellent. Well, many thanks for talking to us today. It's been great having you on. Thank you.